Welcome back to another Welcome episode back. of the Flag Hunting Podcast. We're here after... No intro means uh, zero hits in the outright ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah we don't have an intro this week. We've so. only had the pleasure of, uh, of introing with a CBS <laughs> Sports broadcast uh, one time in, in five, but that's all right. You know, you, you want to go ahead and, I guess, talk about the golf, talk about the race, whichever uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to start with. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll start with the race. Um, I feel like a broken record at this point. I just feel like every <laughs> week I'm saying the same thing. Yeah. I, I feel like we were there. I mean, like, I feel like... I mean, well, okay, let me, let me, let me reiterate. Right. We were there with William Byron and Todd Reddick. Like, the guys those, that we didn't expect to be there. Those were the two guys that I was thinking, like, all right, here's my long shots. I mean, long shots in a way that right. I'm like, okay, they're non-playoff drivers, but they've got the recent track record. They've got track history. I feel good about them, and by God, they were our best shots yeah. at this. Yeah, the two, um, it was the two captain's picks, like the two guys leading the card that yeah. kind of withered away. Yeah, so, and that's, I'm going to kind of touch on a little bit, but, but JGR, man, as a, as a company, they just kind of, they let down the whole, like they just missed this package, I feel like. They just weren't there. Uh, at one point during the race, you know, Kyle Busch was even saying, he was making like hyena noises over the radio, and his crew chief was like, you're right, buddy? And he was like, he was just like, I just feel like the car is as good as we can get it, and I'm still way off pace. Like, right. it's just, I mean, it's just, he realized at that point, like, he had no shot. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, Larson just, that right. car is a rocket. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much of what race you watched, but there was at one point where, and I've heard people bring this up early in the year, and I guess I've never caught it, but in this race, it just stuck out to me. Yeah. There's parts where he's coming off of turn two, like, coming off of the banking, right. and just turns his car down and goes around people. Like, you shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It, it made no sense, but, I mean, there's a reason why he's won, what, nine races now this year? Yeah. There's a reason why he's, I'll get to it in a little bit, but there's a reason why he's very close to a very prominent history books this week okay um yeah he's incredible and um william byron i think really had a good shot to win it but i think he didn't want to be too overly aggressive yeah right. um there was a point where they actually the race was really good about calling out that i think even the william byron's crew chief had mentioned it too where before they get to it was like that you know i, I kind of caught out sometimes my speed rankings how there's like four different segments of the speed rankings and in that third speed ranking where it's like the third segment of the race yeah William Byron's crew chief felt like that was their best chance to win. If they get ahead of Larson there, Larson's mm-hmm. always got the better closing speed. Yeah. So you could tell William was really going for it, and then he's like, I still can't get around him. So he's like, screw it, I'm just going to play a wingman. I'm just going to stay up here, just kind of protect Larson, make sure he's into the Final Four. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible day because we hit the Byron T3. Yeah, plus, plus 450, four which is great. Um, and then we hit um, the Maddie D over Chastain head-to-head, which... That was, was no sweat. That was a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously we hit um, Byron over Harvick as well. Yep. Um, now the ones we missed on, man, we had some really close ones. Yeah, um, I, I noticed that. I watched the end of the race. A couple heartbreakers in the line. I mean, coming, coming to the yeah, coming to the very end, I thought I thought we had this like in the bag, but um, yeah, Christopher Bell gets gets fine, finishes T three wow. over Brad Keselowski, which I feel like I didn't even hear Christopher Bell's name the entire race. <laughs> Brad was running up there the entire race. I thought that was almost a lock to finish. Yeah. Bell somehow finishes ahead of him. I mean, what kind of odds could you gotten on Chris Bell to be the top JGR driver? Oh, he would have been. It was it was a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember looking at that, thinking like, why why am I right now when I take this? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was so I was all over Kyle and, and Denny last. Of course, week. and and true and true for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, and then we hit you know Kurt Busch didn't quite hit the top ten. Matty didn't didn't hit top ten, and Blaney I think finished six. six. He literally finished six. Yeah. Um. We had him at T five at plus one ten. So we were so close yeah. on um, really coming up positive this week. But, you know, it wasn't for not, like I said, the Byron hit for T3 was, we were all over that. And we were almost on a plus, you know, 50 to 1 on Reddick would have been awesome as well. Oh, 100%. So, you know, it's just, it's a broken record. I feel like we're almost there. Um, so I'm going to lead into, yeah, yeah. you know, once we get to my picks, you're going to you're gonna see 
you know, I'm going to go a little bit different, different direction this week. I'm yeah. feeling I just need a change. I need a change in the strategy. So we're going different. So yeah, fair we'll, we'll foreshadow him, but I'll let you get your, yeah, I mean, your golf. And all you can ask for, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very much the same way. All you can ask for, really, uh, in golf and in betting, outright betting, you just want a guy there at the end. You know, like, we're, we're betting, again, plus 800, you know, plus you know, 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 25 to 1 guys, 51 for Reddick. So for me, in terms of golf, like, if I have a guy there on the, on the end on Sunday – I'm pretty hefty my process for the week, and, and we had a guy. I mean, it was looking pretty grim on Thursday, on uh, Friday and Saturday. A lot of our, you know, Hovland, Morikawa, Kepka, Xander, they all kind of melted away. And I felt like on Sunday, we really had no shot of anything. Um, so, you know, I was waking up Sunday morning and tending to go to the golf course, you know, have a nice day out, you know, and just maybe catch the last six holes, maybe hoping Ricky would win as a, as a neutral, even though I didn't have a bet on him. But hoping Ricky could take it down and, and we could get that celebration, finally get the monkey off his back. And then I checked my phone, like, a couple hours into the coverage and Colin Morcow was making birdie on every single hole. And I'm like, okay, maybe let's cut this round short. I might have to go home. So, so I go home and man, he was, uh, it wasn't just the fact that he got off to a quick start, which I told you guys, obviously that's, that's a very, um, it, it's very plausible on this golf course. The first seven holes, I mean, are you know, two par five, some from really drivable par four. So I didn't really, um, I didn't really think much of it until he got to eight, nine, 10, 11 kind of the hardest stretch in the yeah, golf course. And he, ones, right. and he started to make birdies on those holes. And if you make birdies on, you know, the par, the par 4 eight, the par 4 ninth, the par 3 eleventh, uh, three of the toughest holes in the golf course, all of a sudden you're gaining like over a stroke on the field in terms of stroke average. And so when he goes through that tough stretch and he's only, and he's tied for the lead with easy holes coming in and guys like Rory, guys like Ricky, uh, Answer I think was in the mix, you know. Um, yeah, but may, basically just Rory and Ricky, I think for the most part. Streb was in the mix a little bit. But once that, when they had to kind of go through the tough stretch, I was like, hold on here. Like, this could actually happen. And it's actually the uh, the easy holes coming in that, that he kind of flubbed up and, and mm-hmm. couldn't quite uh, finish off with birdies um, kind of coming home. Because um, he was at 22 under going, coming off of 12. So, you know, you think about the uh, drop or he was he was 22 under coming off the coming off of 13. Or, sorry, off of 11. 12 is a drivable par 4. You have 14 a par 5. Uh, you have some scoreable holes coming in, and then 18 is obviously a par five. So I thought he could easily get to like 25, 26, you know, get in the clubhouse and just see what, what happens coming home. Um, you know, he kind of stumbles up on the easy holes. Rory makes eagle from off the green on the par three, uh, on the par five, 14th. And that was kind of all she wrote. But, uh, yep, yeah, heck, that's, like I said, that's all you can ask for when it comes to these outright bets. You just want a guy there in the mix. Looking back, you know, should I have hedged on maybe Rory? I I know at, at some point it was kind of Colin was the favorite and then Roy and Ricky were like right behind him. Maybe I could have got away and, and guaranteed myself a little bit of profit there. But I was just so entire. I just wanted to see how low Colin can go. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. through 12, when you're eight under par through through those 12 holes, like um, I thought kind of the, the sky was the limit there. So, um, But, yeah, definitely, I mean, a great win for Rory. Um, not to – we've been talking about Colin this entire time, but Rory, you know, won the golf tournament. And, you know, for, for a guy that – a lot of the golf world is kind of written off a little bit. I was going to say, like, I, you know? I wouldn't even, wasn't even considering him after what he looked like at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but you did touch on him last week because it was a Tom Fazio course, Tom right? Tom Fazio design. He eats. I mean, it's almost like an auto bet at this point. And yeah. It's the second time in six months I've went through this whole song and dance with Rory. And really kind of the third time because obviously he's won at Shadow, uh, at Summit, not Shadow Creek, at Summit Club. He's won at Quahalo, a Tom Fazio. Mm-hmm. And then his, his, his other kind of big result was the olympics where he was in the bronze medal playoff mm-hmm. uh, also tom fuzzy design here um in japan at kasumi Hiseki. so it's kind of the same song and dance with rory um 
and I feel like I've kind of missed like two very obvious like Rory spots and just because he was coming in with, with bad form it's, it's crazy to look at the stats even because we talked about last week being a very scorable golf course you had to make a lot of birdies and typically when you're looking at birdies at, at birdie courses like that you want iron play and, and putting and he had the putting but mm-hmm. to, he lost almost four strokes uh, to the or during the on the duration of the tournament um, on approach I mean he was bottom half of the field by far I think he was like bottom 10 with his irons which is almost unheard of for a guy to get to 25 under while losing almost a stroke per round on approach is, is incredible um, but again he spiked with the putter the driver's always going to be there for Rory I think he was first or second in the field in driving uh, he was fifth around the green so this is just one of those things where Rory's starting to I mean he, he's starting to ramp it up he's won now twice in six months and he's a bit of an anomaly he's a bit of a um, an anomaly statistically because he he never feels it never feels like Rory's doing everything great but he does have the skill set to pop in each particular metric where off the tee is kind of a given with Rory like um maybe early in the summer he was dealing with a bit of a two-way miss so the drive was a bit wonky but he he seems like he's got that completely figured out um especially at a place like summer where he can club down and still hit a 310 down the middle it was it was kind of frustrating as a more cow backer hoping Rory make a mistake and all he has to do is pull three water hybrid and can carry that 275 280 290 uh, down the middle of the fairway so yeah there was never really a chance that he was going to come back to the pack there but um but yeah the driver's always given and if he can continue to putt like this because i mean it's it's been now four straight events where rory's gained strokes in the field putting his short game his around the green play is always is always really really good among kind of the super elites he's always been a, a good around the greens player and man i mean if he gets the irons figured out which there was a point this past summer where he was really figuring the irons out and he couldn't putt now mm-hmm. he's it's kind of the opposite so it it feels like he's really close, and the fact that he won while not really being full throttle Rory yet is, is scary for the rest of the world. So I'm, ex- I'm interested to see kind of the next tournament he's at, what the number's going to be, and, and kind of what his stats look like if he kind of balance the iron play out. Because if he puts it all together, he can go back to like being the most dominant player mm-hmm. in world golf. So it's exciting. Obviously, um, you know, we didn't really get to see, I, I would love to see, I would love to have seen the playoff Rory and Colin just for viewership and, you know, for our personal. Um, financial gains you know because we would have you know hedged out or hopefully Colin would have won um but yeah good to see good to see Colin you know back and healthy I, I commented on Twitter in a couple posts that you know I think he's very very loud to be the top player in the world just with the immense strength he has with his irons he's just he's just got a, a tool that no one else on the tour has where he's just so bankable that he's going to finish top five on approach like every single week mm-hmm. hits a ton of fairways and I, I really do think the putter um is catching up as well uh, he gained over three and a half strokes on the field putting this uh, in this event. And whenever that happens, he's always allowed to win anywhere. So, yeah, Rory and, and Colin, uh, really good showings from them, obviously. And then, obviously, uh, Chris's boy, Ricky, who we'll get to later. <laughs> le- I think he led the field tee to green. Yeah, he did. And he wow. led the field by tee to green by a long ways. Um, and when you think of Ricky, I mean, you really think of the putter. You think of the short game, um, especially here lately. You know, he hasn't really had the driving in the irons. But, man, the driver was working uh, a treat at Summit this past uh, this past week. The irons, the irons were good. He actually lost strokes to the field putting. Uh, so you think if maybe he puts like the old Ricky you would think would, if he can get that putter back uh, firing, he can definitely be a threat. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully win a couple events here in the next few weeks and hopefully keep this momentum going. Because it was good to see Ricky in, in the white and orange uh, on oh, yeah, Sunday. For, for sure. Walking in putts. And there was there were moments in the um, in the round where I thought Ricky would could, could definitely take it home. He kind of make a, made a couple mistakes on – he made a mistake on the par 5, 6th. Um, kind of, that was his biggest mistake, driving it. He drove in the fairway and then hit a second shot into the desert, had to take a drop, and then ended up making a double there and three putt on the back nine. So a couple small mistakes here and there. Didn't have a great Sunday, but, you know, a T3 for Ricky Fowler. At this point in a field like this – Huge confidence. 
100 percent momentum going forward so i'm sure chris is gonna he'll chris for those of y'all that don't know that that is his boy he <laughs> I, I i'm a call more cow stan chris is a ricky fowler stan so uh i'm sure we'll be getting a lot of ricky fowler um kind of discussion here in the next couple of weeks that's right all right good deal so i guess um now that we've talked enough about our losing bets let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to to the future right yeah and uh look ahead yeah so let's you know, you already got the monkey off your back. You know, I, I want to get the monkey off of mine. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm. That's where you're gonna see a little bit different strategy this week. I'm trying something different. So let's go. Well, let's get into it. So we're going to Kansas City. We're going to um, Kansas Marsu Way. It's the Hollywood Casino 400. So what better week to hit than a week that we have a casino that is uh, back in the Hollywood back Kansas, in the race? <laughs> There's another Hollywood um, outside of Florida and California. Um, well, it's in Kansas City, but mm. it's just the Hollywood Casino 400. Okay. I think it's I think it's the name of the casino. I don't know. Gotcha. Anywho, so <laughs> Not another mile and a half track. It's a, another trial track. Um, high speed, low wear, intermediate. Um, I mentioned this last week. I think last week was big for. We can use that one as kind of our model for this one because mm-hmm. you you know now that we're in the playoffs, everyone's going to be giving all their best shots. You're going to see everything kind of out there on the limb. Um, so there's a lot to learn from last week. But at the same time, there's a lot that we can use from last week for this week. And at the same time, um, you know, I think you can almost use the opposite effect too, where, you know, I mentioned JGR kind of failed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the books don't see it that way yeah. <laughs> at all. Um, so I think that's, that's a, you can almost use that as, all right, Hey, that was a practice. That was a get right race for JGR. Like, Oh shit, we need to get things together. We need to, We've got two races left to get our guys in to the top four if we want to have a chance. Yeah, you know, because they were. I mean, like you like you said earlier, they were. They were, it's not like they lost. Like they were off the pace like yeah. badly. I mean, they were like basically mid pack markers. Uh, from, from well, I mean, Denny and Kyle were on up front, but Truex yeah. and and Bell were. They were middle of the pack, and then like I said, Bell just kind of snuck oh, up there out of yeah. nowhere. Uh, I think those last two restarts kind of helped them. But so yeah, I um, I, I really debated what I want to do this week because mm-hmm. when the lines first opened up, it was Larson alone at the top. And then it was kind of like last week you had Hamlin, you, Hamlin, you had Kyle Busch, you had all the other guys at like 900 below. Mm-hmm. The books have since flipped since then. Um, Hamlin's now at plus 600. Yep. Kyle Busch is at plus 900. Blaney's at 900. Byron's at 900. I don't like it as much. Yeah. I couldn't talk myself into these guys. At this, and in a race where we just saw Larson absolutely dominate, yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. So I said, screw it. You know what? I want the money monkey off the back. I want to stop rooting against Kyle Larson. Yeah, it's tough, man. Because I, I mean, because if we would have started this podcast, and I would have been like, "Who is going to win the championship this year?" Like, it's Kyle Larson. Like, yeah. he is the golden boy of NASCAR twenty twenty one. We just haven't happened to be on him at, at any yeah. point. I don't feel like. And it sucks to be on Sundays because we're we're genuinely fans of Kyle Larson. Like, yeah. And it sucks to be on Sundays where we've never bet on him because he never has the odds to bet on, and we're like almost kind of rooting against him. Like, oh, I kind of hope he slips up here and just <laughs> a second so we can get that right. Yeah, I, I'm done. I'm like, this is my little rant. I'm done doing it. I don't care. He's plus two forty. Yep. We're throwing all ten of our Damn outright outrights, Adam, outright units, Adam. Um, I would even be okay if you want to drop down to you know somewhere in the seven eight units and save two mm-hmm. to throw on one of those guys. I'm not, that's fine if you want to do that. But I'm I just I want the money off my back. Yeah. Here's a little just just I mean not that you need to be convinced, but let me just tell you how good Kyle Larson has been not only this year but at Kansas. Um, so just uh, earlier this year, um, at Kansas, mm-hmm. he was absolutely dominating the race. It came down to the very end. There was a late restart. He started. Uh, Kyle Busch is on the in first on the inside lane. Ryan Blaney was on the outside in second. Larson was right behind Blaney on the outside in third. He tried to go up and around Blaney. Blaney moved up to block him. They both go into the wall. Both ruined their days. Kyle Busch screws on to victory. Okay. Okay. So you can take take that for what you will. How 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 long the race was that? Was that mid race? No, no, that was like third laps to go. Like oh. They were going for it. Okay. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Yep. 
Um, and Blaney was really good here too, and we'll touch on that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, Larson at mile and a half or two mile low wear tracks this year, he has led at least seventy laps in every single race. Um, let me just read to you um, Larson's intermediate finishes this year in twenty twenty one, starting with Homestead of last year, fourth, Vegas this year, first, Atlanta second, Kansas nineteenth, but I just mentioned he got yep. pushed into the wall. Darlington, second. Charlotte, first. Texas, first. Nashville, first. Atlanta, 18, but that's a high wear. Yep. Darlington, second. Vegas, 10th. Texas last week, first. So this 240 sounds like value at this point. I mean, and I'm going to get this, I'll touch on this in a little bit, but if you want to wait until Sunday morning to put this bet in, by all means, wait. Because like I said, JGR has already moved up the board. Mm -hmm. If Larson falls to 300, put all 20 on it for all I care. Okay. I mean... Plus 240, it's hard. It's hard to put. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It sucks. Like, it's not great odds, but I'm tired of it. I want to I want to win this. But here's, here's the thing. And we and I, I talk about this with golf all the time. Is like, when you bet NASCAR, you bet golf week after week. Yeah, it's it's tough to, like, to, to bet a plus 240. To bet in golf, like, a plus 500, a plus 600. Because, like, it's like, I could get, like, four guys that are, like, all really good. You know yeah. what I mean? For the same price. But, like, if you're if you have that strong of a lean, like... A plus two forty is still a phenomenal price. And how many times this year have I said, "Hey, Kyle Busch really has a good shot to win this race," but who do I think is really going to win this race? Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. I'm just I'm tired of putting on facade. Yeah. I want to win. I want to hit a winner for this yeah. podcast. I want to get start having these outrights go the opposite direction. Like, I want to start. You know. Yeah. I want to see things go positive. So let's just let me just keep feud hard to resist. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point, like he's proven enough to where yeah we're gonna we're gonna lay the wood on Kyle Larson and I was gonna say like if. Just for example, like to take a normal sport, if we, if we're playing like, if you were doing like a football prop and you had a strong lead at a plus two forty, like that's a phenomenal oh, yeah. price. You yeah, know? yeah. I think we just get we just get so like caught, caught up, up in like, oh, I want to hit a fourteen to one, I want to hit a twenty to yeah. one, a twenty five to it's one. It's exciting, but, more exciting. But exactly, yeah. but you've got to go with with who you have, and, and I mean, I'm following a very similar formula in golf this week. It's, yeah, uh, and that's actually kind of why I did this because I was like, yeah. you know what. Why don't we just follow the same strategy? Hundred percent. Yeah. So, but yeah. To, so man. let me keep going here with Kyle Larson. I mean, not that you need it, like I said, but um, so the first race this year at Kansas um, until that late bad luck. He started thirty second. Mm-hmm. He cracked the top ten on lap twelve, okay. and then ended up leading one hundred thirty two laps. <laughs> okay. Um, so and here's what I was kind of getting at earlier. Well, actually, let me finish the history of Kansas. So um, we'll we'll go even back all the way back to the one he's in the forty two car. Mm-hmm. He finished eighth in twenty nineteen. Yeah. We- in twenty eighteen, he started in the back. Led the most laps, had a fifth place finish, had a fifth place running average, and he wrecked with twenty laps to go and still finish fourth. In uh, Chip Ganassi car. In Chip Ganassi car. Yeah. Twenty seventeen, his engine blew up while he was running third. Typical Chip Ganassi. Um, that was like every week for Larson. So yeah, before. and then to get to kind of you know, obviously what we've seen this year already at at the five lower intermediate tracks, Larson has led nine hundred and thirteen laps. Second place, Denny Hamlin. Do you want to have a guess at how many laps? Ninety five. Yeah, closer to about 196 laps. Okay, okay. Denny Hamlin's gotcha. led it, and he's in second place. So almost an 800 or 700 lap difference there yeah. for how many laps have led. And then here's the final one um, that I have here that I, just, I really want to see. Another reason why I just want to root for Larson this weekend. Kyle Larson is 54 laps led away from breaking Jeff Gordon's 2001 record of most laps led in the season. And we're at four la- four races to three go. Races, three races to go. Three races to go after this one, or, or two more after this one. Right. But still, that's incredible. So um, you know, I just. I don't want to root against him anymore. I'm mm-hmm. tired of it. <laughs> yeah, it's just... So I'm going on a rant a little bit, but it's just like, you know, every week, I, you know, I started, or I guess I say every week, but I started putting together a model last week, but before even before that, I was putting together all these stats. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times I was putting Larson 1, yep. Larson 2, like... Oh, yeah. It's just, and like it's and it's, it's because we see that plus 200, plus 300, that we just like auto-skip, yep. and I don't want to do it anymore. 
So plus 240. Absolutely. Anywhere from 8 to 10 units. Go all in. If you want to go 8 units, save your other 2 units for these next two guys I'm going to talk about. Fine. Yep. But... I'm already telling you that my ten are probably going on person. So okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm absolutely all for that. He's my favorite driver uh, in NASCAR. We do a little NASCAR fantasy. He was my keeper going into this year. I put an outright tickets um, or I put a futures ticket on him to win the championship before the season started. So good. Well, that'll be a nice little correlating bet that I can make. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, like you said, like it, it's it's tough to come into a race and you're like, well, if um, I mean it's it's nice that all our guys are running two through five, but yeah. like Larson has to slow down at some point, right? Yeah. He just never does. So. Um, I will ask a couple things. So, watching the broadcast at Texas last week, uh, Larson's team was talking a lot about hitting singles. As in, they know that they are in the driver's seat for the championship, or not not really for the championship, but at least to make it to that stage. Now that they've already made it, do you see any, like, any, I don't know, is there any correlation of, like, guys that have already made the, the uh, championship race that maybe want to take some time to maybe just prepare for that as opposed to maybe focusing on the, the track at hand not really and i was expecting this question okay. so and, yeah. and i have a great answer for it and i Let's think go. here's the thing if you're kyle larson your biggest competition of this championship is probably jgr right okay penske just really hasn't quite had the speed and i don't think it has speed at phoenix to win to win the championship mm-hmm. so if you're kyle larson and oh, okay i mean before i mean before i get to that point next we're going to martinsville right who's good at martinsville denny hamlin kyle bush Martin Truex, they're all very good. Joey Logano, you can even throw in there, are very good at Martinsville. Right. I think I actually heard six of our eight playoff drivers have a win at Martinsville. So wow. next week is going to be crazy. So if you're Kyle Larson, the only way I can see him giving up the lead is if Chase Elliott's behind him. Got you. Because Chase Elliott is currently under the cut line. Mm-hmm. So Chase Elliott does need the help, but he's also good at Martinsville. Mm-hmm. But Chase has a little bit thing, things on his going against him here. He's got you know a feud with Harvick going on and. Um, but still, if you're Kyle Larson and you're sitting at the top and you want to prevent... You don't want to give your rivals a win. Yeah, you yeah. want to prevent somebody else from potentially an easy win to get into the playoffs, why not? You're Very going to smart. keep on dominating. You're going to get that win. You're going to make them all fight 100% to get that into that final four race. Yeah. So, really good counter-argument. And, and I really think that, like, and we kind of saw it this week, even with, with Byron. Like, Byron wasn't going to push the limit. The only threat that Larson had the entire race was, Kyle, it was Tyler Reddick, and Tyler Reddick and William Byron were going at it. And right. I don't think Tyler had enough to get around him. I just think that Larson, if he's smart, you know, you're not even you're not you're not gonna use this as a tune-up because you don't need a tune-up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're just gonna you're gonna cruise around the front and you're gonna let her, you're gonna watch in your rear view mirror. Yeah, what's, else what's the best way out. to keep safe? Just lead the race. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And my I guess my second question would be, so we talked about these mile and a half intermediate tracks being kind of um, I guess just chalk tracks. Like it's they're maybe the most predictable, the least amount of variance per uh, kind of um, result of of the grid, right? If you go back in time, do you, um, how many guys do you see as potential threats to win this week? Because looking at the board, Vegas really is hammering the top of the board and they don't really care about anyone past 60 because it drops off real quick. Do yeah, s- I, I think there are, I'm going to hit on some props here too, yeah. um, for guys that I was going to bet on if I don't get, didn't go with Larson. Right. I think there are legitimately, there is, the board is a little more wide open this week because there's okay. a lot of guys who have good history at, at, um, at Kansas. Okay. Um, like I said, so I mean, like if something, but I, it's it's a simple fact that something would have to happen to Larson. Like, yeah, he'd have to go into the wall, or he'd have to get a flat, or have He's to. Just so dominant here, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, the only way I see him pulling over for somebody is if Chase is behind him, and he just and he probably won't even make it look obvious. So he'll probably be like, oh man, I took turn one a little too high, and Chase just went around me. Like right. everyone's gonna call bullshit because everyone's gonna know, like, right. okay, Chase Andrews doesn't drive around you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think there are are some guys who have great history here who have run well. 
Um, I even kind of put together a little little different model this week. I, I kind of put two different mo- two different models together, yeah. kind of compared them against each other just to kind of see what it would spit out. Um, and there actually was a tie with Larson for the number one hmm. in my model here. Okay. Um, so I will hit on that guy in a second, but well, I guess I might as well lead into now. Let's go now. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's actually it actually is Kyle Busch again. Um, yeah. He he's he's really good at these mile and a halfs. Um, He's a two-time winner at Kansas, including this past spring, as I had mentioned earlier. Um, since the 2020 playoffs at mile and a half, um, Kyle Busch has two wins. He has a series best 4.3 average finish. He's got eight top fives, and he's the only driver to finish in the top ten in every race. I'm pretty sure I hit all those points last week. He's the same reason why I liked him last yeah. week. And he's arguably better at Kansas than he is at Texas. But like you said, his price has went down since last week, despite his lackluster yeah. finish. Yeah. He, we're getting a worse price this week. It's like, yeah. what, what's going on? Like Either the fix is in, or like Vegas knows something that we don't. Right. Um, and he's got a so he's got a 5.0 average finish at Kansas over the last four races, which is second best. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean I like Kyle Busch here a lot. Um, I think that you know he was arguably the best JGR car, um, and he like I said I mentioned earlier he had said on the over his radio a few times where you know they're like what could what what could you do what do you want to fix he's like I don't know <laughs> like he's like the car feels great yeah and, and he, they were still just so wow. far behind so okay. like it's just I think that. Um, I don't expect Byron to be as good this week as he was last week. I think Byron's still a threat, but I, I did like him a little bit more last week than I do at um, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't rate as well in my model this week. Yeah. So I think that does open the door a little bit more for Kyle if, if, if there's not somebody like William Byron up front kind of protecting him. Right. Um, and then the next, the other guy that I was going to hit on that I was potentially going to bet on if I didn't go with Larson is obviously Denny Hamlin, his teammate. Okay. Um, similarly, he is kind of the class, class of the field at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, Denny has two wins, three top fives, three top tens, seven top twenties, and 275 laps led at Kansas the last four races there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just another guy that's just, I mean, I think they're, they're right there. If if JGR takes last week as a practice and say, hey, what can we do to make these cars better, and they hit, I think Denny and Kyrie, those two guys are going to see there. Yep. So I'm not betting on them, obviously, to win the races outright, but if you wanted to put in a unit or two and save, you know, save, save face a little bit, maybe only go eight on Larson. One on Kyle Busch, one on Hamlin. That's fine, too. Right. I'm choosing to go the other way direction. I'm going all 10 on Larson, but then I'm also throwing... Um, there's a top two bet this week on yep. the book that we use. I'll scroll down. You can man. get plus 250 and plus 300 for top two. So, hey, what if Larson is out there dominating? You guys still have, got something to root for there. Yeah. Um, so, I'm throwing a unit on each of them. Mm-hmm. Potentially even two units on that. Yeah, I, I was going to say... Yeah, I was going to say play two units because... Getting to the point to where we're basically hedging our bet a little bit, exactly. Because at two, at plus two fifty and plus three hundred, even if Lar- if something godforsaken or God forbid does happen to Larson and Hammond and Kyle do like destroy the race, all of a sudden we're still breaking even, even though our main force just yeah, yeah, exactly. So if 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 they um if things go as you expect and you know Hamlin and Kyle Busch both have like you said great history here, we can get a plus two fifty plus three hundred for our top two as Larson's you know biggest threats um, by the metrics. Yeah, definitely, definitely like that. Yep. All right, so I'll keep going here. I've only got really only two other drivers to hit on, really. Um, so those are going to be my last two props. And then I have two other ones that I want to touch on um, as well. So um, we're going to the Penske camp this week. Um, I was kind of avoiding them last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, Brad Keselowski was up there all damn day. Yeah, he was. And it's almost like, you know, I've been kind of avoiding this these last, what, few weeks ever since we started this podcast because I'm like, I keep making the argument of, you know, he's changing teams next year. Penske's not really going to want him. They're not going to put all their best efforts into it. And... But man, I'm wrong. Like I'm just wrong. Like I'm gonna come out and say it. Brad has been up there every single week for the last few weeks. He's running. He's running fantastic. Yeah. Um, in my model, he's the fourth best driver behind Larson, Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin. 
Um, he's, and he's not far behind. Mm -hmm. So if, if my model spits out values here of kind of like, and I know this doesn't really mean much, but just from, if you are a numbers person, you know, it spits out a value of 2.5 for Larson. Mm -hmm. It's 4, 4.17, 4.3 for Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and, and Brad. So, so they're, right, the they're same all tier. right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so by, yeah. if you, if you take into account prices, because Keselowski's 14 to 1 to win this race, that's by far a better bet according to numbers than a guy like Hamlin and Bush at 6 to 1 or 5 and a half to 1. Right. Yeah. So, I would, I mean, I would, you can go either, either way here. You can throw a unit on Brad for an outright. Mm -hmm. You can throw a unit for um, top three if you wanted to. I'm playing a little safe. I'm going the top five plus 175. Still I do nice. think, I do think that, yeah, I mean, still getting plus money yeah. for someone who's been, um, you know, up there every week. I, I think that, you know, it's 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 kind of a little bit of a safer. I'm taking a little bit of a safer approach here. Um, yeah, but, but I but I think that the best Penske car has been Blaney. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to sit here and say, oh, Brad's gonna be the top three behind because we've already got Larson Hamlin. Exactly, and Kyle we're running out of room on yeah. our top our top two and top three um, kind of predictions here. Yeah. So yeah, so but Brad does have one win, four top fives mm -hmm. at Kansas since 2018. So like, I mean, I, I don't really understand why we're getting the plus money here. I don't really know. Were they not watching the race last week? Like, yeah. I don't get it. So yeah, he's my top five there. But then in the same camp, Ryan Blaney. I mean. This dude is currently, I don't know if you guys know this, going into the playoffs right now, or going into this next round, he's second. Mm -hmm. He's above the cut line by 17 points. Yeah. Um, he's been the best Penske driver by a long shot. We've been touching on him, I feel like, every week. I think last week was the first week I didn't bet on him since we started this podcast. Yeah. Um, over the last six races, races, he's got a driver rating of, of um, third best. Um, over the last 15 races, fourth best. Um, if you look at his rating at um, Kansas, he's got the eighth best driver rating. But the um, over at a two mile inter intermediate, which is your Michigan. Um, so this, the um, model that I like to look at, like to compare myself to, I touched on the last week, but it's Ryan the I Fancy Race. Mm -hmm. He uses Michigan as his. He calls it the Mini Kansas, or sorry, he calls uh, Michigan Mini Kansas. Or God, I keep saying it backwards. Kansas <laughs> Mini Michigan. Mini Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he uses Michigan as his model, and in that, um, Ryan Blaney is seventh best at at that track at Michigan. I remember um, Kyle Larson used to destroy Michigan too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm as like a as a um, casual NASCAR fan when I pulled like I was whenever um like Larson would up watch the highlights and yeah. it was always at Michigan I feel like. I could be have this wrong and have to fact check this, but I, I feel like Blaney's got a win in the Wood Brothers car at Michigan too, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um but yeah. So yeah Blaney another guy I like a lot. Um, you can take him at T3 or T5. Um, like I said, we're running out of space, so I took him at T5. I like T5 as well, yeah. Because, like, with this with this construction, we could still actually win every prop. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you start to play too many T3s and T2s. You're only going to win some of them. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're limiting your upside a little bit. So, yeah, I like I like the, the T5. Still getting, again, plus money for, for uh, playing T5 at plus 120. Yeah. Plus, so. Okay, he's plus 120 now. So, I, I think I actually got him at plus 110. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. So, Put right. unit on there. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> but yeah, that's really that's really for the most part. That's all I really have this week. It's kind of a short kind of a short prep. Love um, but I do. I mean, I have two other props that I'll, I'll touch on real quick here. But other than that, I'm gonna save the other the last two units here. If you haven't already used them all up, uh, man, those race day specials have been fun on Sunday morning. So I'm gonna probably I'm probably gonna check that out again on Sunday morning. See if I can find something that I really Maybe like. Larson to win stage one, stage two, and win the race. Or yeah, something like something that. Like that. Yeah. He came damn close on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like they've been really fun, and um, you know, you never know what. What might happen with the books between now and Sunday? There's still a lot of time, obviously, for us with the NASCAR world. Yeah. And like I said, it's already changed a lot with JGR moving up the board. Like they opened at plus 900 and plus 800. Um, so we could see Larson drop a little further. Maybe we just want to <laughs> throw a few just more units on Larson. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different options we can do here. 
Um, and we didn't even touch on anybody really like further down the board. So maybe if I if I kind of fine tune something else up and kind of like somebody further down, yeah. um, just kind of throw out some names that were popping in my model. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I am not quite on Tyler Reddick. I think I mentioned that earlier. He kind of fell down a little bit on my model this week. Just with a past history, I guess. Same or? with William Byron. Yeah. Okay. Um, but guys who moved up in my model, Eric Amarola. Um, he, he's up at 15th in my model. Eric Jones, 16th in my model. Okay. Um, and then actually Cole Custer is 20th in my model. So I'd be looking at probably potentially like top 20 odds at those guys, kind of see where they fall. Yeah. Um, so those might be some late ads. Um, and then, you know, just to throw two, some two guys I already touched on, um, there is, um, I feel like the books overall have done really well this week at Preston. I didn't see many head-to-heads I liked. There was not a lot of top 10s I liked. Yeah. Um, but there was one head-to-head that I really liked. Team Penske camp again. It's Brad over Logano, minus one twenty five. So you're fading Logano hardcore from what I've heard for I this can, week. Next yeah. week I'm probably gonna be on him. In okay. Martinsville, I think he's gonna be a real, real shot to win next week. And right. I think honestly, him himself is probably looking forward to next week. Him and Truex both. I well, think. They, yeah, because because Logano's like this is my last chance yeah. next week at Martinsville. We just kind of try to try to survive here and stay in the hunt here in um, in Kansas. And then we just go all out for right in Virginia. So similarly, I guess on that same vein, I'm fading Logano and Truex a little bit. Byron over Truex is another head-to-head out there at minus one twenty. Okay. Um, so, you know, obviously, obviously, we're getting a lot of better odds than those other those other pots that we threw out there. So, if you don't want to throw anything at the head-to-heads, that's fine. But yeah. I just figured, you know, we're already on those guys. Why not call it out? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really, really kind of a short week in the NASCAR prep. But I kind of hinted at last week when I said, hey, this week's going to be a big determinant for what I'm probably going to do next week. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you and. You're doing, I think, what's a, is a smart move. You're banking on blue chip talent right now, and like, we're kind of. I know you know the race day special. Sometimes we get a little bit crazy down the board, but at least for our main card, I mean, you're you're looking at Larson, Bush, Hamlin, Blaney, Kozlowski, guys that have projected really well, have long term form here, and obviously are in great in great form, um, coming in. So yeah, love the card. Looking forward to the race, and uh, I guess we'll we'll move on into the golf, which has actually just teed off. So we are we are in um, <laughs> great great scheduling from us, but we'll we'll try maybe uh, next year to kind of get uh, earlier in the week uh, some time to record. But just as it stands on our schedules now, Wednesday is kind of the only opportunity we have to to really block out two three hours to to kind of uh, produce the epi- to record produce these episodes. So obviously not the best timing. It is obviously my card is on Twitter. So those of y'all that do follow at flag underscore hunting, you guys know what I'm pretty much going to go over when it comes down to the picks. Um, but yeah, this is the Zozo Championship uh, playing in Japan. That's why it is starting on Wednesday night. We have the 13-hour time difference uh, here on the East Coast where we are. Um, and so yeah, it's just teed off at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening. So the Zozo Championship at Narasino Golf Club or Golf and Country Club and just outside Tokyo, Japan, about 30 minutes outside Tokyo. We're looking at about a 7,041-yard um, par 70. Um, now, unlike most par 70s that usually just take two of the – uh, records of par fives and turn them into par fours. Narasino actually has five par threes, uh, which is really uncommon on the PGA Tour. Typically, par threes are pretty much locked into four per per course, but the par threes here are huge. Um, all three or all five measure between 141 and 191 yards. And the last winner, or really the winner, of the only event that's ever been held here at Narasino, Tiger Woods, his 82nd win, the last time Tiger Woods gotten a victory uh, circle here on the PGA Tour. Tiger Woods crushed the par threes here. He had over eight and a half strokes. Uh, on those holes on, uh, over four rounds en route to a three-shot win. So, obviously, taking advantage of those par threes, the iron play is going to be really, really crucial here. Um, so, yeah, the five par threes, there are three par fives here as well to, to add it up to a par 70. Uh, they all play under par, the three par fives, as would have expected. 
Um, 18th, the 18th hole is the easiest hole in the golf course. It's over half stroke, over par, or under par. The 6th is the third easiest hole, a quarter of a stroke under par. And the 14th is the fifth easiest hole, about a tenth of a stroke under par. So obviously you want to make your birdie, just like any PGA Tour stop. The par 5s, if you don't take advantage of those, you're losing strokes to the field on almost every occasion. Uh, so obviously par 5 scoring will be key, but not as key for me this week as the par 3 scoring, like I said. Uh, because if you, can, if you can start to birdie a lot of these par 3s, even though they're not the hardest holes in the golf course, you'll really go a long way to kind of separate yourself from the field. Uh, so yeah, par 3 scoring over par 5 scoring for me personally this week. Um, and then you move it into the 10 par 4s on the golf course. They're split actually 5 and 5. It's kind of funny. So five of, the par, 5 of the 10 par 4s are under 425 yards, and none of them play over par. So those are kind of scoring opportunities. And then you have five holes over 480 yards, and those none of them play under par uh, in those regards. So you kind of have them split. You have your easy, easy 5 par 4s, and you have your, your difficult 5 par 4s, the ones that are longer, more demanding. And so, yeah, I um, when I'm looking for key stats here, I'm looking at, again, the par 3 scoring from 175 to 200, uh, par 4 scoring from 350 to 400. Those are the shorter par 4s. Par 4 scoring from 500 plus, and then par 5 scoring uh, from 550 to 600 yards. So those are kind of my, uh, my key hole compositions here. Um, again, here at a par 70, typically, um, you're not going to have scores that are crazy um, deep as, as, you know, example, like the things we've saw at the Shriners and the, at the CJ Cup the last two weeks, um, you know, the, the, the scores that get deep in like the 20, 22, 23, 24 others uh, to win. Uh, like I said, there's only been one tournament held here. That was in 2019, the 2020 PGA Tour season, but in 2019 here, two years ago at Narasino, won by Tiger Woods at 19 under, um, which is a pretty deep score. But then you consider that in the rest of the 76-man field, only one of the golfer got deeper than 13 under. So Tiger was at 19, Hideki Matsuyama finished second at 16 under, and then no one else was better than 13. You had Sung Jam, Roy McIlroy, Thor Train, Gary Woodland at 12 under. So um, out, outside of a kind of an outlier performance of Tiger, uh, everyone was kind of in that 9, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 mix. So like I said, it's not going to be like a crazy birdie party. There are difficult holes here. Um, there, there are going to be bogeys being made. So it, it's... It kind of puts left, less of an emphasis for me on putting this week just because you're not going to have to make 25 birdies, um, you know, in my opinion, to, to, to win this tournament. It's more maybe about a bit more about bogey avoidance, a bit more about greens and regulation, playing more solid golf, and then capitalizing opportunities when they, when they arise. So, uh, like I said, there is there has only been one iteration of this championship played at Narasina. Um, and if you look at the leaderboard, it, fe it featured a lot of prominent members of uh, my favorite team, Team No Putt. AKA the guys that um, I claim are really good because they can hit an iron well, but they can't hit putt to save their lives. But if there's ever a place for team no putt, this seems to be the place in a one-year sample size. I mean, you're looking at some of the um, kind of a laundry list of the predominant iron players on the PGA Tour. Obviously, Tiger won the best iron player of all time. You've got guys like Hideki. Uh, Sung J M was third. Roy McIlroy was third. Gary Woodland was fifth. Uh, Corey Connors was sixth. Ben On was eighth. You've got guys like Keegan Bradley finishing 13th. Justin Thomas... Uh, Paul Casey, both comfortably in the top 20, and then Colin Morcow finishes 22nd. So really, I mean, if you look at like the poster boys of guys that I love to bet, that a lot of these analytic golf uh, guys like to bet, guys that, again, tee to green are phenomenal, but they can't really roll that many putts in, this seems to be the place that they, they uh, really thrive. And if you look at the odds board, um, it, it kind of, I guess the, the field has kind of gotten wind of, of how of how comfortable this this is like for for those type of players because if you look at the odds board really from the top to about 25 to 1 you look at a lot of these guys and Morikawa, Matsuyama, Zalatoris, Neiman, Fleetwood, Fowler, I guess new age Ricky Fowler, the one that can't putt. Um, that a lot of those guys are guys that we say 
every week. If they can putt, I mean, they can win anywhere. And it's kind of funny that we don't – I don't really see a guy maybe outside of Norin that's a real threat to, like, take over this tournament with his putter. You know, there's not the Kevin Na. There's not a Jordan Spieth or um, – I'm trying to think of the top of my head, like a Patrick Reed or Webb Simpson, someone like that who can just get crazy out with a putter, gain 10 strokes, and all of a sudden he's making birdies from everywhere. Um, so I feel like there's, it's a really, really – um, ball striker heavy field, especially at the top. And so that kind of segues to my first pick because I'm, if, if that's going to be the case, I'm just taking the best ball striker on the field. And for me, that's Colin Morikawa. Like I said, he finished 22nd in this event in 2019. I mean, he is the best. I mean, if you, if you like guys that strike it right the, down the middle of the fairway and then stick it to five feet with an iron, I mean, Colin Morikawa is the predominant tee to green player, I think, in the game right now. Um, and I think, like I said earlier, when we we're going over the, the uh, CJ Cup review, I mean, he is... The putter's definitely gotten better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Since he made the switch to the saw grip, we saw it at the Open Championship, uh, holding a ton of putts. Um, had a really, really, obviously, he won at the uh, WGC Mexico, gained four strokes putting, just uh, fresh off gaining three and a half strokes putting at, at the CJ Cup. So I think the putter, whereas maybe early in his career, it was more of a hit or miss, you know, it was a once in a blue moon when he putts, he wins. I think it's it's really kind of gearing towards, he's really becoming a more complete player right before our eyes. I mean, he, I, I, just as a as a Colin Morikawa fan, a guy that watches almost every tournament he plays in, like these four footers, I really don't feel near as nervous as I used to when he first came on tour. I mean, like what it used to be. I mean, we saw it the first event out of COVID when he when he lost in the playoff to Daniel Berger, missing the three foot putt, lipping out on the 17th hole, and ended up losing that tournament, finished in second. Um, you don't really see the short misses from Colin anymore. I'm not saying he's like like I said, he's not he's not Kevin Na on the greens, he's not like a Webb Simpson or anything like that on the greens, but. He is more than serviceable. In his tee to green game, he can create so many opportunities. Um, if you want to look at the metrics, you want to, you know, kind of humor me a bit with the statistics here. He ranks, obviously, number one in my model this week uh, in the last 50 rounds over the last six months. Number one on approach, as to be expected. And then in the four key kind of whole composition ranges, he doesn't rank outside the top four in any of them. On the par threes, he ranks fourth over the last 50 rounds. Uh, in both the par fours from 350 to 400 and 500 plus, he ranks out first in both of those. And he ranks out fifth, actually. So not outside the top five, uh, I should have said. But he ranks fifth in the par five score from 550 to 600. So I think he's just tailor-made for this place. If you look at, like, late career Tiger, I think Morikawa actually kind of comps to, like, late career Tiger. He, he obviously doesn't have, like, the explosive length that, you know, Tiger in the early 2000s did. But, like, a 2016, 2017, 2018 Tiger, um, kind of his his, lat, his autumn was career, like, late career renaissance where he just hits fairways and then just takes aim with it. Um, with his irons, I think I think that's actually a really really good comp for, for Colin, and um, I don't think it'll get himself him I don't think it'll give himself too much trouble. He's gonna again create so many birdie opportunities with his irons, and um, he's obviously in great form off the second place finish and a ten under round there on set of the CJ Cup. So I'm all over Colin, like similar to how Chris uh, said earlier. Like I'm not overthinking this. Like I I think Colin Markell is gonna win this tournament, um, and it's, I got him eight to one. He's currently seven to one at the book I'm looking at now, but. I still think that's a that's a more than fair price um, for a guy with his with his skill set, and um, he'll be obviously leading my card, and you know he'll be the main hope. I've got a couple little homer picks down the board here, but um, yeah, he'll be my main horse running this week in Japan. So yeah, as you're leading up to it, you're leading. I can see where you're going with it, even before, even I'm like obviously I need your card. Right. But like all the sets you were pointing out, like they all pointed to to Colin. Mm-hmm. But how did that compare to guys like I mean Xander? We saw in Tokyo, yeah, the Olympic winner, and then Hideki. He's coming home from after winning the Masters. 100. percent So I mean, you've got guys like that. How do they compare in that same model? I guess. No, 100. percent And and that's kind of that was my big dilemma this week um, with this whole board. So. Like Chris said, there's three names at the top, and I don't think anyone would argue that 
these three are the clear three favorites. I think Collins, Xander, and Hideki, I would expect at least one of them to be there at the end. And for me, it's always tough. Like Chris said earlier with the Larson pick, it's tough to lay that 7-1 to one odd odds on a field of 75, 80 golfers. But if you look down the board, there's just not many threats, really. Even if you get in, like, like Zal Torres, great talent. He hasn't really won. I mean, he, he's never won on the PGA Tour. He only won once on the Corn Ferry. So despite the stats, loving him, I'm just not ready to, to pl- take the plunge at 18 to 20 to 1. Neiman, again, he's he's he flirts with contention. You know, he, he's shown signs. But again, am I really going to bet Joaquin Neiman at 20 to 1? No, thank you. Tommy Fleetwood, I mean, he's been pretty much just tour average as far as the ball striker goes over the last year or so. So I'm not I'm not by any means ready to bet Tommy Fleetwood at 25 to 1. Ricky Fowler, Chris's boy. Um, obviously, he had a great week at the CJ Cup. I'll be pulling for Ricky. Um, if there's anyone outside of my card I want to win, it'd be Ricky Fowler, but I need a bigger sample to, I mean, we're, we got him at 125 to one last week. Yeah. You could have had him at 125, 150, 175 to one, maybe at some points in the tournament. And now they're going to ask us to pay a 25 to one. Like, no, thank you. I, I need a bigger sample of Ricky Fowler. You know, by all means, Ricky, if you want to go out there and win it at 25 to one, you can do it. I won't be on it. It's just, it's just too rich for my blood. So like I said, Chris, Chris hit the nail on the head. There's three guys that I think you have to you got to either hammer the top this week, or you've just got to you've just got to um, sink down to the 40s or the 50s or the 60s and just take maybe five or six punts down the board because Colin Xander and Hideki, I think, are clearly the, the class of this field uh, in terms of my model. Um, over the last six months, Xander's fourth in this model. Hideki is fifth. Uh, actually, Paul Casey withdrew, so technically Xander would be would move to third and Hideki moved to fourth. Uh, the second rate the second rated player in the model would be Keegan Bradley. Um, who is at the top of my level every week because he does everything well except for putt. Um, so yeah, Keegan's a guy. I wouldn't mind like putting a top 10 on a Keegan, but I'm not betting to win at 40 to one in this field. Um, but for Xander and Hideki, yeah, I, you can make very, very good arguments for each, for both of them. Like you said, Hideki's played phenomenally well in Japan. Uh, historically, again, missing off on the bronze medal, similar to Colin. He was in the same playoff there, finishing T4, consuming Hideki, finished second in this event. Uh, last time they played it here in Japan, Xander was a top 10 performer here last year or in 2019, obviously won the Olympics. Um, but for me, I just think Colin fits this place so well. It's it's uh, it's just like the perfect marriage of everything I think he does. So it's not so much that I I'm bearish on Hideki or Xander. It's just you you can you only pick one of those three. You can only pick one, yeah. and I'm not I'm not going away from Colin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. so like I said, I mean, if you honestly, if you just want to like guarantee, if you have like if you want a casual bet and and you have just like maybe a hundred dollars to throw on this this event, just allocate it. Colin, Xander, and Matsuyama. Because I honestly, it, it's tough for me to make a case for anyone else to win this event. With, with the guaranteed four rounds, with it being a short field, and a lot of a lot of the names at the top are, are talented, no doubt, but unproven as far as, you know, closing the deal as far as a PGA Tour event, um, I, I would very much expect at least, you know, one or two of these guys to be right there on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, very good question, Chris, because it, it, I'm not going to sit here and, and make a case against these guys. It's just, for me, Colin rates out better than yeah. them. Uh, on the margins, so, so yeah, um, yeah, three guys at seven. Like I said, I'm kind of fading the guys all the way down to kind of the 40 range. Um, if you if you you know don't want to bet a, a guy at seven or ten to one like a Xander Collin or Hideki, a CT Pan, CT Pan is very <laughs> very uh, popular on Twitter this week. He is. He, he, <laughs> That's he, why I brought him up. He won the bronze medal in Tokyo. I do admit he has been in good form. It's just like I'm not betting CT Pan at 40 yeah, to one. one. <laughs> like. He can win, like by all means, CT. Like win the event at forty to one. He's just not my radar. Even like a guy like KH Lee, who me and Chris hit last year, the Byron Nelson. Um, I like KH as a player. It's just like, but no, I hit him at 
I I'm comfortable <laughs> betting him at 80 to 1, 100 to 1. I'm not betting Cage Lee at 40 to 1. As you get in these kind of like these fields, like in, in kind of the fall swing season where there is talent in the top, but as you get kind of deeper, the depth kind of falls off. Mm -hmm. And this is very, very, like, this is a, like the most like fall swing field I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, there's the three studs at the top, and then you kind of like. You, you lose a lot of you lose a lot of win equity pretty quickly. I'm just not really comfortable betting these guys at half the number of guys that we'll get to later, um, and guys that are I think just as capable of winning. You know, we get to a guy like Doug Gim at 66 to one, who is my next pick. I got him at 75, but I'm more than comfortable with him at 66. I mean, he's based, he's very much like early career call more cowl for me. Obviously, he doesn't have like the immense strength with the irons. He's not like an elite elite iron player, but he hits a ton of fairways. He capitalizes really well from with his wedges, his mid irons, and his long irons. Um, rates out really well in the par threes and the, and the short par fours here. So I think with his tee to green acumen, obviously the putter's always going to be the uh, the problem with Doug Gim. But um, like I said, this is a place I don't think you have to make enough birdies. Like you don't have to make 25 birdies in a round so or in a, in a week. So I don't think Gim is going to have the same kind of pressure that he would at a place where you have to get to one of these ridiculous scores. So he can just kind of play his tee to green game, let the opportunities come to him, and then hopefully just roll in enough putts to get there on the weekend and then you know, you never know. His two kind of biggest, um, I guess his two biggest results so far on the PGA Tour were at tougher golf courses at Bay Hill, um, at the API, and then at uh, TPC Sawgrass, where he was in the final group of the players. So he, he does play kind of the harder courses well, and that, that all lines up because he hits a lot of fairways, his irons are really strong, and if he's going well, then he's going to create a ton of chances. It's just a matter if he can capitalize on them. So at, at 66, 75 to 1, I'm more than comfortable uh, banking on Doug Gim's skill set there. And then I've got Gary Kigo here. I got him at 80 to 1. Uh, and this is a case of, again, like we, we talk about like a, the, um, the, maybe the lack of, I'm trying to think, maybe the lack of, uh, you know, a, a solid resume or solid foundation. Like, can a John in Vegas or a CG Pan or, you know, Matt McNeely, can they win at 33 to 1? There's no doubt Gary Kigo can win on the PJ Tour. He's, he's done it before. He's won three times in the last calendar year, something that no one else in this field has done. Um, and while he his you know his form isn't phenomenal you know like he's not coming in playing all that great but at eighty to one like a guy with this much winning upside and, and a kid that this that's this young with this good of a short game um, he's got kind of all the tools it's just a matter of kind of putting them all together and I, I do think you know with his length he can definitely um, you know create enough chances to to kind of compete here so those are my three picks again Gim and Higo I, I I fully admit those are very much homer picks for me. Um, I would, by the metrics, Gim rates out a lot better than Higo. I just, Higo's a guy that I feel like if you bet him 66 times in this field, he's going to win, like, once. I, I just think it's, like, a pure value bet. Like, he shouldn't be priced here with, with his resume and the success he's had in his young career. So, uh, that's that's all I've got, personally. Um, I can kind of go through guys that, that I do like um, kind of outside of my betting board. I really thought about Matt Wallace here. Um, he's a guy, again, that plays hard courses historically really well. Um, really good tee to green player. Um, rates out top 20 in both opportunities and GRs gained, uh, top 10 in par 5 scoring, and then top, and first in short par 4 scoring here. So at 50 to 1, he was a guy I definitely looked at. Uh, I looked at Henrik Norlander, a guy that's really popped in kind of the last maybe couple months or so with the Irons. Um, and like I said earlier, you're always looking for kind of ball strikers approach players here. Um, but if you got if you go to the top, like if you go to 7 to 1, there's not really uh, much room on the card left. So. I decided to go friends and family. We'll call at the top, 11 units with him, a unit each on Gim and Higo, and we're going to let that ride as it stands. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. The, the tournament starts. Uh, I think Colin see us in about 15 minutes. So, uh, you know, don't want to leave y'all too early, but uh, definitely want to, you know, get this wrapped up and, and, and see, see how Colin does here on this, uh, on this Thursday.
Cool. Yeah, so we'll, let's just touch on our, so we'll do our parlays real quick. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, actually, do you want to touch on one thing that I forgot to touch on earlier? And then we'll, we'll, we'll call it a night. But, Absolutely. uh, so yeah, so I guess our parlays, I think I already told you I put in one already. Um, we're kind of going team chalk this week. Yeah. So why not just do a team chalk parlay? And anyway, hey, we can really hit on the fact that we're betting plus 200 and plus 700 if we hit both. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. Pairing them, pairing together team chalk, team Japanese Americans, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Japanese Americans. It's funny because um, kind of the four stars of this Zozo Championship are all have Japanese oh, yeah, heritage. You're right. Kadeki is obviously you know born in Japan and he represents Japan on an international level. But Collins, uh, Japanese American. Xander, I believe his mom is not full blooded Japanese, but at least um, I know her 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 his grandparents on the mother's side are Japanese. So that's that was a, th- a narrative that he kind of. Uh, really went on with the press with the Olympics, with the Olympics, and then yeah. coming here to the Zozo. So he's very proud to be uh, of Japanese heritage, and obviously Ricky Fowler, quarter Japanese. So kind of you have Colin, mm-hmm. Ricky, Xander, Hideki, all kind of the probably the biggest names in in world golf um, with with Japanese heritage, all kind of here right. in the Zozo. That's really cool, and um, and yeah, obviously Kyle Larson of Japanese heritage. So yeah, for sure. So let's. I think unless you have a better idea, I kind of as you were kind of going through there, and you said you don't really see a winner outside of those top three. Right. So why don't we take my top three and your top three, just parlay them together, and <laughs> shoot, we might hit a, actually hit a winner out of this. Right. We can go, you know, like we can go Larson and and Colin. Mm-hmm. We can go my second favorite, Kyle Busch. Your second favorite is I'll go Hideki. Hideki. Yeah. And then we'll take Denny Hamlin, the third one there, and we'll go with um, Xander. Love it. And then we got our we got our three parlays. So yeah, yeah, we'll post that on. I think we only got two votes on the poll last week, so we need more votes <laughs> in that poll, guys. But uh, yeah, we'll just keep it easy this week. I mean, like I said, we're kind of going team chalk, but at some point when in these events, when you just you gotta trust what's trust what's happening, and trust what you see in front of your eyes, and yeah. just go for it. And you know, we we touched on it earlier, but if you were betting props at this at these same prices, you'd be absolutely ecstatic that you're hitting. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So I guess one last thing I did want to touch on. Um, so I just kind of I've heard a lot of people been talking about this with with two races to go before the cutoff in the race in the NASCAR uh, world. Before we get to that final four, you can get some really good odds on futures right now for the championship really um larson obviously he's not kind of untouchable <laughs> he's a plus 125 okay everybody below that's a plus 550 though for the um championship and then you've got guys like i mean i know i've kind of faded him this week but i mentioned joey logano all he needs to do is win next week he's currently priced at plus 2500 wow so is, yeah to throw a sprinkle strong. on that you've got martin truex another guy who has things really good at martinsville he's a former champion mm-hmm. um plus 1200 yeah. And then the the former champion plus eight fifty Chase Elliott, so there are three guys that I think are you're not going to see those odds after Martinsville if they get in. So right. why not jump on them now? A little little sprinkle if you if you you know you may be a fan of one of those guys. You might have a little more faith in Lagana this week than I do, and you just know that he may be a lock for next week. Mm-hmm. But these little odds will not be the same after this race in Kansas because we're going to have a more of a better picture going into Martinsville of who we probably think is going to get through. Yeah, I think Martinsville is going to be. It's going to be fun. If, if there's any race you want to tune into this year that wasn't Bristol, that wasn't one of Super Speedways, Martinsville, as a cutoff race, yeah. the paperclip, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think you know any of those guys right there at the bottom. Logano, I'm guessing Logano pretty much has to win. He has to win. Oh, he's minus four three points out. He blew an engine this past week. Okay. So, yeah, yeah he's got to win one of these next two to get in. Yeah. But And that's why he's priced there. But think if he does. And you're sitting on a one in four shot. At yeah. a plus twenty five hundred ticket is pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, hundred percent. And he was he was never that like if you go through the, the entire course of the season, he's never been this good of a price. No. Like if you want to put a future bet on Logano. Um, so what do you think? Like I don't want to I don't want to kind of go too far in the future here. But what do you think his odds will like will be for for to win outright next week at Warnsville? Do you think he'll be the favorite or one of the like probably top two or three favorites? I think you will. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be. I think next week's board. I think next week's board's gonna be really interesting to see. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be. 
don't think it's going to be quite super speedway like, but I think we're going to see like favorite. I'm kind of going back and forth in my head. I how I want to. No, I think I think we could probably see like. It's probably not going to be fun from a betting perspective because I think there's probably going to be like two or three guys at plus 400, two or three guys at plus 600. Like, right. They're probably going to be all grouped right there in that 400 to 1,000 range. Right, but that's what we did last week. I mean, you just pick two of the yeah. guys you like the best of the top tier. Like, right. That's all you have to right. do. Yeah. But yeah, and like I said, there's six of these eight playoff drivers have won at Martinsville. Right. Um, so really, any of these championship odds other than Larson are, are almost values at this point because all it's going to take is one of them to, to win either this week or next week and they're a lock and then it's, it's one race. You never know what happened in one race. I mean, yeah. I know Larson's been the favorite all year but hey if he gets a flat or hits the wall at phoenix and opens the door for one of these guys and you have that ticket sitting there in your hand you're going to be pretty happy so would Logano, i guess be your favorite of these uh of these kind of just based on value or do you kind of like maybe a, a true x or an elliot something like that i think Logano or elliot is probably my two that i'm leaning yeah um church has really had not chance to be for me lately enough mm-hmm. um but i mean we've seen chase we've chase won at phoenix last year right so like all he's got to do is get in and if you've got a plus 850 ticket for championship you basically have a plus 850 ticket for, for Phoenix, Phoenix as a yeah. winner, and you're not going to get that. So yeah, um, yeah, I think Chase is probably my favorite, but Logano at plus 500, you're not going to get any better than that. If he, if all of a sudden he's plus points this week and doesn't need a win, mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's a lot to overcome. I don't think it's going to get to that point. Right. But if if something crazy happens, right, um, and he's closer to that cut line than he is now, you're not going to get plus 500 yet. So here's the thing: and even if you bet Chase and Logano and only one of them make it, you're still getting value. Because oh, yeah. cause come the time of the race, everyone's going to be probably from like plus 175 to plus 300. Oh, yeah. The, you you know, know, like, yeah the, like this is almost our, our chance of betting a future for 100%. Phoenix because there has never been a winner or never been a championship race where the winner wasn't one of the top four. So We'll talk after the show, see if I can hedge my call, Larson. <laughs> call Larson 14 to 1 at some point. All right. So, all right. That's yeah. all. That's all I've got. That's all Chris has got. I think. So. Yeah. Time to time to turn on the time to turn on the Zozo. Yeah. Signing off. Yeah. Let's get <laughs> let's get to call more Cal Shaw Chagger before it's too late. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hopefully we come back next week with not only one but maybe even two winners. And hey, let's throw a parlay a in there. Parlay as well. in there. A little, yeah. A little cheeky parlay. See you guys next week. Peace out.